Welcome to episode 91 of the Fitness Devil podcast. We've got Carolyn McDonald on today. She's the director of operations at examine.com. We're going to talk to her about her work getting shit done both at examine and in her personal side consulting work where she helps other fitness professionals uh, build and scale their businesses. We talk about some of the common issues that the fitness professionals find there. Uh, she's also going to be speaking at our Canadian Strength Symposium here in Edmonton in September. Um, and we're going to talk about how we actually met recently at the Kansas City Fitness Summit. So the value of attending those kind of events and how the opportunity of speaking came up to be there and uh, and how anyone else might be able to develop that skill and create those opportunities. Stay tuned. Shut up and sit down. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. We are terrible at introducing ourselves, so I figure that anyone who is hearing, a fan of a guest who's hearing us for the first time probably takes 20 minutes to figure out who's who. So, I'm Andrew, Andrew Coates. I'm, I'm Dean, and we introduce ourselves like once every five episodes, so we're, we're getting better. We're getting better at it, so. But the, the most important person here today is Carolyn McDonald. Uh, she's an expert in getting shit done, as you'll find on her website. Uh, that's reflected in her role as Director of Operations at Examine.com. She's involved in developing and scaling the business. We'll talk a little bit more about that. And she's also now doing some outside consulting work, uh, primarily with fitness professionals to you know, help them get their shit done better. So welcome, Carolyn. Well, hello, hello, hello. <laughs> <laughs> when you, Usually, I guess most people know this by now. Well, I don't know if they know it. Usually, we just talk for like five or ten minutes before. So we had a good little laugh before. And I think one thing popped up is that Someone said you're introverted, and she's not. Like you, you'll talk. No, you you don't know that. Like you know, there's a really good chance I just might be this like batshit crazy border like what do you call it bipolar, bipolar. <laughs> person, and I'm introverted with some people, and then but you but you told people. us you worked, and no, we I have we, we have our guests on video, and my running joke is we have them on video so we can tell if they're lying or not. And you well, didn't seem like you were lying. You right. didn't seem like a liar. <clears throat> there may actually be something to that because uh, there's these. They all, you get these Myers-Briggs tests and all these other personality tests. And Myers-Briggs is basically just business uh, astrology. It, it really doesn't, there's no validity behind it whatsoever, no matter what people think. But there is one, I think it's like the, the five big personality traits. And one of them is a spectrum of introversion versus extroversion, which we all think in terms of, oh, you know, that outgoing, I am, anyone who knows me at all, I'm a very extroverted person. But you can be introverted more introverted or more extroverted, depending on the setting you're in, a workplace environment around friends, out in public settings around strangers. I'm actually, like, let's say I'm sober and out in a bar. I'm actually extremely introverted. I won't just start going up and talking to other random strangers. A friend of mine did this once, and he's just, like, zooming in, and like, here, I'm going to go talk to this girl or whatever. I'm like, how the fuck are you doing that? So, yeah, you can actually be kind of different in different circumstances, and... So very rarely does the term extrovert or introvert really encapsulate how someone is in all settings. But let's get actually to some of the cool stuff we we're going to talk about. So mm -hmm. getting back to, you know, your work is about getting shit done. Um, you know, and at examine.com, you're the reason why that place runs pretty smoothly. So what's involved in keeping a company of that size running? And what are some of the obvious or not so obvious challenges from your work there? 
Um, in terms of what's involved in running things smoothly, I'm gonna I'm gonna get really cheesy with you. Uh, <laughs> I might be cheesy for the rest of this podcast. Sorry in advance. Uh, first and foremost, trust. Uh, and like, I know you guys are probably like going to roll your eyes and say like, Carolyn, trust has to exist. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Dean. I rolled uh, you. <laughs> you're going to roll your eyes yeah. and say that trust has to exist both in personal and professional relationships. But, uh, mm-hmm. it's actually primarily more important, especially in remote companies. So examine, we don't have a physical office. Everyone works remotely across different time zones and they work with minimal to no supervision. So it's like an honor system, right? So let's say if I don't trust my employees, but I still don't know what they're doing, I'm going to micromanage them and that's gonna cause resentment. And if my employees don't trust me, then they're gonna constantly be pissed off every time I give them a project or give them like specific instructions on what to do and they're more, uh, more reluctant to follow that process. So making sure that first and foremost, they trust me and I trust them makes everything run so much more smoothly. Um, And then the other two things, making sure you communicate with people like without pissing them off. (laughs) That's Uh, a big big star there. (laughs) Yeah, like, yeah, that's that's a huge. uh, I need to write that in huge letters. Don't piss off people, but make sure you stay in contact. And how we do that is uh, we make sure that our employees use three different platforms so like we use a project management platform called asana and that helps make us uh as productive as possible throughout the day because we put our to-dos in but also under each to-do or each like project um it keeps track of like what people are saying uh updates files they're uploading and also like any type of comments that they need to leave for anyone that's involved in the same project. And when they do that, what that does is that it it helps prevent people from harassing someone like Alex Leaf and going like, have you done this yet? Have you uploaded this file yet? Because when you do that, what happens is that that person, in this case, Alex, would get pissed off or like get distracted from his work at hand and then it will cause disruption. Um, so for like anything project related, I always make them use Asana to communicate. And then for anything like shooting the shits or like Game of Thrones spoiler recently, which like really pisses me off, uh, <laughs> they go on Slack, which is our virtual office. So, oh, go on Slack. And they also know that if you need to brain dump, you go on Gmail. So compartmentalizing the way you communicate helps prevent you from pissing off each other and prevents you from disrupting other people's work. Does that make sense? It does. I don't even, I think it was actually in deep work, but like my wife works with big companies all the time. Um, those disruptions with emails or tedious emails asking stupid shit that doesn't need an email, like cost companies billions. Like if you actually like follow the trail of useless things that end up 2.8 to point B, they didn't need five emails for that. It makes total yeah. sense. Yeah. Cause like on Asana, um, what happens is that like if, if I need to figure out if like Alex or Michael or Greg Lopez uh, is if they're doing the work or if they've updated a project, I don't need to send them five or four emails. I just go on Asana and I look at the activity tracker. That's all I need to do. And that makes everything run so much more smoothly. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's Actually, all I can say about what runs us smoothly, makes us run smoothly. One thing um, I was going to say one thing before you go is um, I'll go on. 
is for our listeners who don't know what examine.com is. Maybe we should just like give a brief overview of kind of what sure. that is and what you do. Like we kind of said what you do, but just kind of so they're like, who is this? And what is examine? Is examine? Oh. <laughs> Good idea. Uh, so examine.com, uh, how do I simplify this? Andrew knows I like to be succinct. Uh, we are a nutrition and supplement research company. Uh, our business model is pr- pretty much online. So we run a website slash database where people will just go online, search for supplements, search for food or search for health concerns. And uh, what they'll get is just all the freaking studies that we've compiled, analyzed and simplified for the general public. So we simplify research. That's a very succinct answer. So yeah. basically, you need, you, <laughs> if you want to know what's in shit and if it's good, you go there. Yep. One hundred percent. I think you did a better job explaining. <laughs> that was actually, that was actually like really simple. I didn't even mean to do that. I'm sorry. Wow, <laughs> showing me up. <laughs> and I swore in it. Perfect. And then in terms of what I do, I think uh, Andrew described it perfectly. It's actually a one-liner that I used on my LinkedIn profile for the last ten years, which is I get shit done. Uh, whether that is m- making sure people get their shit done or me having to jump in and help get shit done, that is what I do. Yeah. I always use the joke like, um, what's it get shit done? GSD, like a master's in GSD. Like that's what you took in school. Yeah. Or like, oh, no. Yeah, there's that, another one. That is the program I am developing. Oh. And I will, be, <laughs> I will be shilling it out in 10 yeah. years time when I'm older, grayer, and I would wiser. Even, I would start now. Like there's people that are like 20 years old fucking pumping that this, out. This, it'll lead right to the next question. I'll let Dean take Oh, over. yeah. Actually, let's, um, let's actually go here. Um, you're also working with fitness professionals. We have like a lot that listen. Um, help them GSD or get shit done. Would you explain, I guess more specifically this side of your work and what are some common issues that most fitness professionals have with building their businesses? Okay. Uh, so when it comes to the side of my work, um, what I pretty much do, and I'm going to use a really freaking scary word is, uh, I audit people. So (laughs) (laughs) I audit and I optimize people's businesses, uh, at first just for shits and giggles. And now, um, I do it on the side just, just to build up some good karma and brand exposure. Uh, so, what that involves is um, I jump into a business and I try to consume as much information as possible, not just about their business, their audience or their brand, but about how that person works and how they function. And then once I do that, uh, this is the fun part for me and the most painful part for people like you guys. <laughs> is that I take out my highlighter and I figuratively and literally uh, highlight all of their weaknesses. <laughs> and like it sounds very sadistic but what that helps us do is figure out uh, what they need to kind of tweak it helps us identify the squeaky wheel and then once we're able to do that I sit down with them and we map out their to-do list and prioritize like what needs to get done for example um, I'm actually working with I, I don't know if you know this guy, TJ Mims. Yeah, TJ's a friend. Dean met him. Yep, Dean met him last yeah, year. Yeah, so I'm actually working on rehauling his business specifically for a case study for Evolved <laughs> for the presentation in September. Um, so I'm rehauling it from scratch. And I basically had to go through every single thing uh, from like his website to his social media to his onboarding process. And once I was done that and I told him what needed to be fixed, and uh, what I figured out what resources he had in terms of skill sets, we essentially created a one-year plan. And within that one-year plan, uh, we started off with, hey, uh, 
what do you want to do? Well, he wants to shift his one-on-one business to more of an online coaching business. You need to build an email list. So that's what we're working on right now. And then down the road, we optimize his website, we build an online product, and then we get him uh, on Andrew's level, which is guest posting. How many how many highlights <laughs> did he have? Like, is he a record holder here? <laughs> like, I like to compare. Um, I I will hold my right to uh, the, withhold uh, this information who, because of who, who's yeah. the record? Actually, not who. What's the most amount of highlights? Like, is there like a scale where you're like? If you have 10 highlights, you're like doing all right. But if there's like 20, you're, you need help. Like, you well, have like okay. So most people, when I work with them, usually they have, I know you're kind of joking, but I'm serious. No, I'm serious. <laughs> it's just, I, I'm joking, but I'm, it's a serious question. Also intrigued. Yeah. Uh, most people have at least like three things that they need to fix. Yeah. Uh, all, usually it requires like one major thing, which is their email. Like mm-hmm. a lot of trainers and a lot mm-hmm. of new business owners don't know much about email marketing. And that's like, that consumes so much, so much time to build. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of like the higher end of the scale, I can't give you really a number, but let's put it this way. Um, before I work for Examine, I work for tech startup. And I think everybody has an idea of uh, the tech startup industry. Mm-hmm. It's oh, really wow. messy. Yeah. And I've worked with clients where there was, there were way too many things to fix to the point where I was like, I think you need to just ditch this business idea and start from scratch again, <laughs> or I can't help you. Yeah. So is it kind of refreshing think, coming into this industry? Cause usually if you're working with fitness professionals, it's to some degree, they're probably half decent at their job. If they're getting to the point where they're asking those questions, like, is that a little bit more refreshing? It is. It is. So in the fitness industry, I think it's because uh, it attracts so many type a personalities or like, personalities are are, uh, more open to being disciplined and open to self-improvement. It's so much more refreshing because they're able to take criticism. Like you guys are much more willing and open to take criticism and feedback. Um, That, that is something that I wasn't able to find within the tech industry for a lot of our clients. Um, Experts. Yeah. It makes my life a lot easier actually. Um, but actually talking about the differences between, uh, like the tech startup world and the fitness industry, you asked me what the most common issues were, uh, (laughs) you guys actually, so people are going to really, really freaking hate me. No, they all know it's true. Like when you say shit, they're not like, Oh yeah, I love email marketing. Like everyone's so full of shit. They all suck at it and they know. (laughs) So if you say shit, they're not like, I'm listening. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. I'm sure. I don't know. But no, there's a, there's. But I'm going to say something and you can tell me whether I should stop and be like, Carolyn, no. people are going to hate you no. and everyone's going to unsubscribe from this episode. No, throw them off uh, throw them but off the biggest that. problem I've noticed in the fitness industry is really like ego and pride. Oh, so like, you know how I said that uh, people is people in our industry, typically once they hit a certain level in their career, like they've been trainers for like at least three, five years, yeah. they they're more open to like scaling their business and taking feedback. Uh, there's also a big chunk of that demographic, uh, that suffer from this like huge sense of self entitlement and pride, especially the ones who try to build online brands. So like a lot of the folks who come to me and they're like, Carolyn, I'm a, I'm, um, a personal trainer and I want to be an Instagram star. (laughs) I look at them, I'm like, okay, so what's your plan? And what I notice is that their ego makes them really impatient because they jump onto Instagram or social media and they assume 
everyone tells me I'm hot. Everyone tells me I know my shit. Therefore, I am destined for fame. And I am destined to be, like, the next Brett. Or the next... Uh, <laughs> I feel like we could really, Honestly, really have some fun with Louis. Louis Garino on this one. Oh, Louis is so uh... stylish. <laughs> Louis is a friend well, of the year. I, I would agree. I think that most people get to that level and they think they know shit. And, like, until you go, like, find other people in the industry and, like, step outside of your bubble, you'll realize you don't know fucking anything. Yeah! <laughs> like, in, in, like, really... Like, there's some really good people, and you can't find that in your bubble unless you're, like, in New York or somewhere this, where there's, like... This was something that um, Brett Contreras and I spent some time talking about when we were in Kansas City. Uh, and Brett is very conscious, because Brett it, it is... In our world, he's probably got the largest following. He's probably the most famous of the... I mean, the guy's a PhD. He's credible. He's evidence-based. But he's also very marketable. And... Mm-hmm. <coughs> excuse me. Uh, he is very conscientious of... As he gains more following and more fame, for lack of a better word, just being a really normal down-to-earth guy. If you ever meet the guy, he's he's a really, really sweet down-to-earth person. He's, he's got an exuberance, uh, an enthusiasm about presenting and about what he does. He's very childlike almost. He's very excitable. Yeah. If anyone listening has heard his episode of the podcast with us, go back, go back if you haven't. And he's just, he's excited. He's just excited to talk about what he does. But for a guy who has achieved a lot and is going on to much, much bigger, broader things, he is very conscious of fighting any urges to let it go to his head, if that makes sense. Yeah, so, I completely agree with you because I met Brett at the fitness summit and like he by far was one of the most humble and down to earth pe- person in the room. And and that speaks volumes. And that also explains why he's so successful, right? Because um, he... Because he's so down to earth, he understands that there's always room for improvement. And he, I feel like Brett is willing to ask for help or at least ask for feedback. Whereas like other people, especially the newer ones who are trying to get to the Brett level, they, they, they think that they know better, not, not even better than someone like who works in marketing, but better than their own customers and their own followers. Like the one thing, the one thing that you need to do when you're trying to build your brand is understand what your freaking followers want from you, Right. If you're so egotistical and impatient and uh, unwilling to ask people questions, what you'll do is you're going to assume you know everything, including what your followers want. Then you're going to curate an image or a product or a service based on what you assume they want, and then you're going to hit them. You're going to miss the mark. You're going to miss the mark completely. And people aren't stupid. We like to like we like to freaking say people are stupid but they're not they can tell when you're not genuine and they can tell when you don't care about them and when you don't they're not going to care about you it's only fair right well and i think especially for someone in the beginning because i wouldn't say that not everyone's stupid i think there's stupid people who buy stuff for the easy fix but they're but they're gravitating towards the already famous people so if you're not famous and you you have this ego, like I said, I think that a lot of people have that disconnect of what they think people want because of what the few have done at the top, but they can't mm-hmm. do that. Like, you don't have that amount of attention. And like you said, they're probably, what they think people want and what they think they can give are probably two different things. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, shit. Uh, you mentioned how uh, they look at people who are already at the top and yeah. try to, like, basically get Ooh. the same results. Yeah. Uh the other thing people do when they have big eagles in our industry is they try to look at someone like Brett and replicate exactly what he did, <laughs> well, thinking would... they can get the same uh, the same exact results. And I think that's really mind freaking boggling. I'm like, 
every time someone does that or like I see or someone comes up to me and they're like, hey, uh, Alberto, the macro wizard just released a cookbook. I want to do exactly the same thing and follow that campaign from like point A to point B. I always look at them. I'm like, do you realize that one, you don't have the same number of followers mm-hmm. Two, you're not a freaking cook and you're, you don't cook <laughs> or like and three, like you you have a completely different audience like there's so many different factors that even if you follow that freaking blueprint to success, you're not going to replicate that level of success. Or sometimes you're not going to. I actually, I always want to make fun of this because Alberto is a sweet, he's, wonderful. I think person. he's coming. Yeah, he's, he, he has. He is coming to our event. We're going to talk a bit more about that. But I actually, when I think about Alberto, it's almost like he took Carter Goods brand and. He's the Spanish Andy Morgan, and he mashed them together. But he's actually very much his sweet, own, authentic person, too. He, just, he was actually really, really smart to capitalize on two really good trends. and When they were happening. And when they were happening, own them and go into a space that our industry wasn't serving, which is, uh, you know, the Spanish marketplace. So, And he's blown up. He's been really successful within that. Oh, and he deserves that. He made it his own, right? I still think... Like this is, I don't even think this is off topic. I think if you had a bunch of females that were like had millions of followers and you just started posting you working out with them, I think that would work. But like, that's what Brett does. But Brett's already famous. But I'm saying if you were to get, if you were to get a shout, like Brett was like, I got 8,000 friend invites from that one chick who posted about him. 8,000. So you just need like a few of those and you're good to go. But I mean, like, to actually get that, like, what's some egotistical 22-year-old punk going to get that? It well, ain't going to happen. It depends on who the the females are because um, a, a very, very good friend of mine who she's posted me a few times on her Instagram story. And she's got half a million followers. And, and she's just this, like, stunning model type. And her followership is primarily guys who think she's hot. So when she'd post me, I wouldn't pick up any followers. In fact, she'd get a few messages being jealous or, or guys being pissy because she was hanging out with me. So that doesn't necessarily yeah, work. Man, my theory. Yeah. You, know you, you have to know your audience, but when you're doing cross-promotion, you should also know that <laughs> other person's audience. Like Brett, the reason why that works is because the people following that girl probably wants her body. Yeah, you're right. And do you know what Brett does? He helps with yeah. building that body. See, that's why you're the expert. I would have just been like, yeah, go get those girls. Get I just pictures. schooled you. Yeah. I schooled you so yeah, hard. You should. If Dean starts doing it, his wife's going to start getting really pissed I don't have, off. So. I don't even want to do that. That sounds like a horrible life. No offense to Brett. Like, I don't want to work in the glue lab. I don't know. I like strength. He, he's no, they, he's they, always they, happy and glowing. They have a great thing going on. Well, Brett's also really <laughs> conscientious of professionalism, too. I mean, he, he's, you know, he, they don't post it anywhere, but, you know, he's got a, a long-term serious relationship, and they just kind of do their own separate brand thing, so this is not a part of uh, his brand identity, and there's, it's all good there. See what I mean about us getting off topic? It's great. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It adds layers and dimension. Let's go a little further with this uh, because you've been recently inspired to ramp up your own personal side consulting work. Uh, and I think part of that is a lot of the conversations that you had at, in Kansas City, the Fitness Summit. I know we talked a lot about it. Uh, so how would you describe the value and the experience of that event or attending events like this? Uh, fuck, where do I start? So just like a non-disclaimer, uh, the Fitness Summit was my the first time I ever attended any type of fitness conference alone especially uh it was also the first time i ever spoke at one ever 
So that itself was really exciting. So I, I didn't really come with many expectations. I came with two goals, which was don't fuck up my presentation and like don't scare people away <laughs> because, because I was representing examine.com. Those are Saul's quotes. You're representing the brand. Um, but I was really surprised that um, that I actually got a very honest sounding board from people I didn't even really know that well. So what happens when you're in a very, you're in a professional setting, but with a social tone, if that makes any sense, is that people are more open to getting to know you beyond your brand and beyond your online persona. And when they become more open to talk, talking to you about like your background and your motivations, they become more invested in what you have to say to the point where they're actually willing to give you really, really honest feedback. And that's something that I wasn't able to find anywhere else, whether it was like while I was networking online or whether it was with my own friends. Uh, I think part of it was because uh, not only were they meeting me for the first time and like getting to know me. So there was like that sense of excitement, but also because like we, we all know we're not going to see, see each other often after this mm-hmm. <laughs> or, um, uh, maybe not even again. So it was just like, let's enjoy this moment. Let's try to help each other as much as possible. Uh, and let's, let's just be honest with each other and be unfiltered. And one of the scenarios uh, I would like to refer to was my, um, my super late night talk with Andrew the okay. last night at the fitness summit. So while everybody was uh, still, they were still out at the bar, there was a big, small group of us uh, in the hotel lobby just sitting there and kind of talking. And uh, there was Andrew, Jeb, Kieran, and Alex. Yeah. yeah and Chris, sounds, Christian sounds, Little. Yeah. Chris Little. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. We were all there. We were talking. And all of a sudden, the topic uh, changed to, uh, it shifted towards like, how do you overcome imposter syndrome? And that's something I would never bring up online with my colleagues. Um, and it, it doesn't even come up with my friends. But because we were there, we were like working through our shit and we were looking, we were watching presentations and we were talking about like all these great presentations. It kind of organically came up. And instead of like people going like, oh, you're okay, like you're fine, uh, don't worry about imposter syndrome, we kind of slowed down and we're like, you know what, let's talk about it. Why do you have imposter syndrome? Uh, what what can you do to overcome it? And then and then everyone started to give their own experience about uh, their own businesses and the obstacles they had to overcome in order to build that confidence or that level of like, I don't know, respect for themselves versus respect from others. They're just trying to get some business advice from you by the sound of it. <laughs> no, they were giving business advice but it was just like i i, I don't know it, we, it there was a lot of good conversation and conversations actually led to places uh and too much oh we lost you there for a second carolyn oh say say that last sentence again we just we've got a bit of a poor connection so say the last sentence again Oh, sorry. Um, I was just saying that uh, to sum it all up, the the experience I had at the fitness summit was much more uh, much more based on a personal level, which is um, instead of like having online shallow networking experiences where I'm like, oh, I'm going to add you on Facebook and, and we can try to help each other out. I was able to sit down and have deep conversations with people about their businesses, but also about their motivation and I was able to walk away from Fitness Summit and think about 
shit that I would never, ever think about for, like, weeks afterwards, for days afterwards. Well, that's the value in, like, even networking in total. There's, like, two different types of opportunities. Like you said, there's, like, a super business where it's impersonal, but they watch people present. You write down notes. You have some coffee. You leave. And certain events like this, it's more accessible to even the presenters and the, the attendees to mix and mingle. But there's opportunities for social networking, which... Like, again, you have those experiences, which you just don't have at other things. And I think, honestly, in our industry, those are probably more valuable. Unless you're just yeah. seeking education specifically, that's when you would go to something specific. But if you're looking to, I don't want to say make friends, but just, like, find more people like you, I guess that'd be your tribe. That's probably where the value is for a lot of people who don't know what else is out there. And we talk about egos. When you go to things like this... You yeah. realize what you do and don't know, and most people probably walk away with less of an ego because there's a lot of people who should have egos that don't, and there's a lot of people that have egos that shouldn't. And if you mix those two together, you come up with a better product for everyone at the end. Spend a little oh, time. Yeah, I agree. Spend a little time uh, listening to Greg Knuckles or Dean Somerset. Yeah, you don't know what shit. they know, and then it'll crush your ego really fast. <laughs> They're pretty smart dudes. The, the the whole topic we're talking about. Going to these events, I think that the information that you get up on the stage is probably 10% of the experience, at least for me over the years. Uh, the first one I went to is the, the Kansas City Fitness Summit. This is my third year We just I just came back from. That one changed everything for me. Met a lot of people, developed a lot of good connections through stuff. It inspired me to just work a lot harder, but be more, I don't know, aggressive with what I was doing with my business stuff. It led to Dean and I deciding to do this podcast and then we had those connections in place, so that kind of exploded. Just so much good came from it. I brought Dean down the following year, and then we'd already linked him up to some of the stronger you guys, Josh Citron, through the podcast. So got down there, got talking with uh, Mike Dola of Stronger You, and then next, you know, uh, Dean and Anthony, his partner, are now building this online training platform that's a sister company to Stronger You's Nutrition, and now they're owners, part owners, and that sort of thing. So just one trip to this event basically just set him up for what he's doing now you're a nutrition coach who's stronger you so you, you'd be amazed what can come it's if you choose to meet people and interact with them network and i actually i will say this like you go to one of these events add people to facebook because you create that extra connection. and not go with an ego i think at these types of scenarios and like i would probably on in all of them even like spokane where it's like i would say more sciencey um going there and thinking that anyone gives a fuck what you know and they want to talk about training the whole time is probably the exact opposite we should go into. No one's going in there to like look for business connections and hire people. It's like they just want to take a break and yeah. like interact with people, which is if you go to these things thinking that people want to know about your fucking fitness training career, like you're in the wrong thing. Oh my God. Actually, that... that... Okay, I need to bring up something that you just triggered. Uh, when you said people just go there to take a break, you're completely right. And I think that's the reason why when people leave these these events, they actually have more meaningful connections that lead to that actually lead to business opportunities, Ooh. even though that wasn't their intention. And that's because we all know when we go to these events, we're not there because we want to make a sale. We're just there to have fun and and then that means that our airs are down. We're less cocky. We're, we're less likely to create this facade of like, oh, I'm the shit. And more likely to get to know each other better and to appreciate each other better. Like, for example, uh, a lot of people didn't know 
at what capacity I was working at exam.com for. Like they didn't know I was the director of operations at examine. So when I entered the room, they're like, who is this tiny Asian chick? And like, (laughs) what the fuck is she doing here? Why is she presenting? (laughs) Yeah. So they were like, they, a lot of people who didn't even like really read the lineup just assumed I was there to like attend. And even then I don't look like a fitness professional. So they probably were like, why is she attending? this event?" (laughs) But when they finally sat down with me, and especially after my presentation, um, I, I ended up getting Facebook requests after the event going like, holy shit, I'm so glad like I ended up talking to you. And like we spoke for an hour or two because I, I went home and went, fuck, I need to rehaul my website. Or like, holy shit, I need to do uh, an audit of our customer experience. It's, it's things that it's things that pop up organically that is the most valuable and it doesn't happen in like networking <clears throat> events. It happens in scenarios like this at conferences like this. this. Well, and let's actually leave there because we're going to be kind of promoting our own conference and, and coincidentally, you're one of the 10 presenters featured in what we're calling the Canadian Strength Symposium in September, um, actually here in Edmonton where Andrew and I are from. Would you explain kind of organically like what led to this opportunity and what would you say to others who want to enter the realm of speaking in front of others or at events like this? Uh, okay, so uh, one word when it comes to what led to this opportunity or one name, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I went to the fitness summit thinking, hey, let's have fun and let's just like meet new people so you don't end up being like even more socially awkward. <laughs> <laughs> and like I gravitated immediately to Andrew not knowing who he was and uh like a day or two after we all got back from fitness summit Andrew messaged me and said do you want to talk at our conference I'm like what uh so I I give him all the credit to be quite honest I would give you the credit because usually like a week actually we had Lisa Lewis yeah. on and Normally on these things, like I wasn't there, so Andrew's texting me, and your yours and Lisa's were the two things where he's like, "Oh my god, they were amazing," and usually Andrew, like we said, it's ten percent of the event, so he's usually chatting and probably not even listening to them. Um, but he listened to yours too, and he came back, and we had a spot open. He's like, "No, nope, she's coming on. I'm going to ask her." Yeah. So oh, it was more yeah. your presentation was good enough to let Andrew actually listen to the whole thing, which is it was just anomaly. It was a perfect fit. So. Oh, yeah, with this event, so our event in, in Edmonton is what, September 14th and 15th, we had, a, there's a team of five of us, it's it's Dean and I, Dean sort of originally proposed it, and then, so I said, okay, well, let's run with this, we spoke to Dean Somerset, who's here, and of course, he would need to be one of the headlining presenters, and, uh, <coughs> excuse me, his response was, well, actually, I was thinking about doing something like this, so instead of poor Dean having to do this all on his own, now he's got, you know, a larger team, and then we went to the owner of Evolve Strength, this is the chain of gyms that Dean Somerset and I contract out of. So, and he's been wanting to do something along these lines. And then we pulled in another friend of ours, Hannah Gray. She's done our podcast before. She's local. And I felt it was a good opportunity to get her into a presenting role if she would also help us pull it together. So we sort of collectively bandied about names. There were a few names that we were really hoping to get, primarily Canadian speakers, but a couple of Americans. So we all set on... The gyms that we work out of have a strong powerlifting background, so we felt Greg Knuckles would kind of be a perfect fit. Greg was available. And then we looked through the list of prominent Canadian people. Lee Boyce is very much at the top of that list. So Lee was actually just texting me and uh, <clears throat> during earlier, earlier during this thing, sorting out uh, when he'd be able to fly in for this event in September because there'd be something that kind of interferes with him coming in early. And then we managed to pull in Megan Calloway, who's a very close friend of Dean Somerset's. 
And we just filled in with Brian Cron is down in Calgary, so he was pretty obvious. We, we took a look at John Goodman. Of course, John wasn't available, but we may hope to get John Goodman in the near future. John's from Toronto. And then we had a local business owner who was friends with Dean Somerset, who was in, but then had to pull out. And we needed someone to talk on business. And while we weren't exclusive to Canadian presenters, prioritizing them would be great. And there's a bunch of other factors that go into it. And after I saw your presentation, it's like, well, you'd actually be really perfect for it. So I proposed that everybody's like, cool. And we made it happen right away. So we added you to the roster. So basically you smashed your presentation because if you sucked, you would be, you would not be coming. Yeah. That's amazing. So I went from like, don't fuck up to like smashing my presentation. <laughs> and I don't know what, I, I didn't see it. So I apologize. I wasn't there. But if Andrew liked it, it's probably all right. Because Andrew's pretty harsh. <laughs> not maybe not to them personally. He can be harsh. Are so. you? Are you? Is this a nice way of saying like Andrew can be an asshole? Well, he would. He would have probably told oh, you like you could. He probably would have actually told you what you could work on at oh. the thing. So it's not a, a secret. Um, I'm but, a highly disagreeable personality, <clears throat> and you're talking about earlier about communication within workplace settings. There's a reason why I work for myself in my own business, and I contract out the gym. I have a great relationship with the gym owner, but I always have to be very conscientious and thoughtful about how I address stuff because I'll tend to bury it and then I'll he gets in fights with half our guests because no, yeah because they ask we ask he asks them about what book they like and they all say like subtle art of not giving a fuck and then he hates that book so it's like an automatic like fight well like literally I would say it like at least 10 times he's exaggerating no. um but yeah oh, so no. I, I have to be and because no he's he's full of shit I'm, I'm large statured, as most people know. So in the gym setting, I'm always trying to be like super nice with the other trainer contractors who almost all are friends of mine. One of the newer ones is like he said he was terrified of me at the start, and I had no idea. So of course I was nice to him, and then that went away. So I have to be very conscientious of what I say and how I say things, because I can be prone to be very blunt and direct when I want something, expecting that it's just... People will just go and do it or they'll understand. And sometimes the way things are said may ruffle someone's feathers, especially if they communicate differently than I do. So, but either way, we've gotten way off. Track, that, no, so. that would have been, we have she, gone way off. Topic. You would highlight the shit out of that one. Oh, hey, Andrew. <laughs> and that was like I my mean, point is big circle. Yeah, I'm would, sorry. I'm sorry. I, be, I, I fucked up. Actually, no, Dean fucked up. <laughs> that, that would be a highlight but, for me, for example, right? So it, I seem to be great with, that's not me, that's you. Uh, it, there's a buzzing in here. I think it's a phone. So anyway, I'm, I'm actually wonderful with clients. It's like they're completely immune to any of the disagreeable shit whatsoever. But if someone interferes with my business life, <laughs> I get nasty about it. So I try to play nicer now. So let's go to something you've described on your website uh, and how you've learned to focus on solving the problem instead of simply focusing on the problem. Uh, and this is going to extend to anyone's life experience uh, with their own problems. What would you say to anyone to help them make such a shift in their personal or professional lives? Um, okay, so uh, to give some some background, uh, because a lot of people don't really know me, I have only recently made my debut in the public eye. <laughs> um, I have lived most of my life with uh, a severe to moderate anxiety disorder. Um, and I actually have obsessive compulsive personality disorder. So when you combine the two, uh, it's it's a it's not really surprising to find out that I have a tendency or I had a tendency to get really stuck. So when a problem arises, um, I tend to kind of spiral out of control internally because all I can do is think about the problem. 
So for example, old Carolyn, uh, if she was told that she had to speak at the fitness summit, uh, her biggest concern, I'm, this sounds crazy because I'm speaking to myself about myself in third person, but just like, let's play with that. Um, her biggest concern would be, how, oh my God, like what would happen if people didn't find my presentation valuable or like useful? And that would be the ongoing tone for like six months leading up to the fitness summit and nothing would get done, right? Because I would get stuck. Um, but because I was able to work through this anxiety and this tendency to get stuck thinking about the problem, um, I was able to do what I wouldn't have never done like five or six years ago, which was figure out like, okay, well, if people don't find this useful or if you're worried about not uh, not given a useful presentation, what can you do to make sure that it's as useful as possible? And uh, I arrived at the conclusion that I needed to do my homework. I need to eavesdrop more <laughs> to people's <laughs> conversations. And I needed to harass people and ask them about their pain points. Um, and that is pretty much my philosophy, which is like, don't focus too much on the problem. Focus more on how can you keep moving forward? How can you un get unstuck and um and when it comes to people who don't even have the anxiety disorder or the ocpd that i have i notice that that seems to be a common trend with a lot of people especially people who are trying to scale their businesses right it's really easy to just sit there and go like fuck like this project didn't go well or like shit like how the hell am i gonna scale my business, especially because I need to maintain my client list. You, you can't do that. You can't sit there and just go like, fuck, 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 fuck. What now? What now? What now? You need to, you need to at one point or another, take a step back and, and realize that if you focus too much on the problem, nothing will happen. Everything will remain stagnant. And one of two things will happen, which is you're just going to be where you are months from now today or uh, the problem will actually get worse. So if you can focus on how to solve the problem, even if the solution isn't great, at least you're taking steps forward. And that's what you need to remember in order to make sure that you don't find yourself in a situation where you're internalizing the problem for months on end. I like that. I think intuitively, not, not that I didn't get stuck in problems, but I, I took a, 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 what do you call it? I consciously would just do things just to do them. Like, instead, I, would, I say fuck it, post it, but like with this podcast and like even with Instagram, like I just did it because if I didn't, I would just focus on the problem and nothing would get done and it would probably yeah. get worse. And I, I did notice that about myself. So I'm glad I had somewhat intuition about that that you recommended. Yeah, like, uh, do you know, like, one of the first questions you asked me earlier in this podcast was like, what are, uh, what are the problems uh, when it comes to like, run an exam.com or just run in a company in general that people don't really realize uh, is a big problem. And it's like, that is one of them is getting stuck. Like try sitting there and going like, how do I make this pro project or product as perfect as possible? Mm -hmm. That doesn't help anyone because you're just basing this off of your own fears and you're internalizing all these thoughts. Just, just click publish or like click complete and then figure out from there. Mm -hmm. Well, and especially because like, I don't know. In, in my experience, you don't even know what perfect is until you put it out anyways. And then you realize like, oh shit, there's all these things and you learn more about it for the next time because yeah. our version of perfection usually sucks anyways. And then when we think perfection is perfection, it's usually messed up anyways. Or there's a typo. That's a big one. People will work like a day on their post. <laughs> you find one typo. I don't know. I'm really bad. Maybe it's Peter Baker is always pointing out my typos, but 
Now I'll, like, read through people's stuff just to find it. You spell our guests' names wrong in graphics. Oh, yeah, it's the best. Oh, my God. So that's where, like, that's where this can be a negative thing. But it's it's always, honestly, I've always spun it positively. Like, every mess up, I just make a joke about it, and, like, it turns into something else. Because I wouldn't have done it. I would have spent, if I spend too much time on stuff, I fucking hate it. And I won't do it long term. So that's kind of yeah. Like, and and you know what? If you spend too much time on something, what what it does is that it makes you not just hate it; it makes you less likely to finish. Yeah. You get what I mean? Because like, what are you more likely to do? Like complete a task that takes moderate to minimal mental uh, mental energy, or like complete a task that requires all of your freaking focus and time and energy? You're not gonna tackle that huge project because it's intimidating. And it's going to frustrate you. You're just going to abandon it more more than likely. I agree. Anything for that? Mm, no, I'm good. I just, <laughs> I've been putting out small fires on the side here. I apologize to I client can, uh, cancel this thing today. He was just really struggling to be able to make consistent times well, work. So uh, unfortunately, sometimes you just end up in a situation where people won't prioritize time for themselves. Then... You can't, but that, that goes yeah. to the same thing. You can't dwell on shit, like, Hold because on. then the thing that you like to do, if you dwell on it or it takes too much time or you get stuck, then becomes a problem. So you, let's just say trainers come in here because they want to be good at fitness. They like training people, like helping people, whatever the fuck that is. Um, but if you spend too much time in it, that thing that you love now becomes a big pain point. And now, now what? Your pillar of the thing that you like the most is now falling down in front of you. And I yeah. think that, and then they'll exit, they'll exit the career in total. Like that's probably the, the progression for most trainers. Is it Dude, think about it. Think about it on the client side. So like, uh, trainers who are probably listening to this may not even grasp onto like how, how bad it is to be stuck and obsessed with a problem. Uh, if you think about like on the client side, let's say your client comes in and they're like, fuck, I don't want to do this program anymore. And you ask them why. And they're like, Oh, cause I went on a binge for two weeks and now I'm just like, this is over. I've, I've like fucked up my macros and I didn't work out for two weeks and, and I'm done. I can't train anymore. As a trainer, you'd be like, what the hell? Right. Because what your client is doing is not, is not moving forward or thinking like I can fix this. They're actually stuck in this internal like dialogue where they're like, Oh, I fucked up. I fucked up. I fucked up. And they're not thinking, how do I fix this? How do I get back on my program? How do I get back on track? This actually leads to like our, kind of our last question was, so like we're talking about people don't actually understand that they're stuck, but do you see any other trends that like some of the fit pros can kind of gravitate towards even trying to fix themselves from your vantage point on essentially what we're blind to? Like some blind spots that we don't even know are problems. He went off script and asked the question funny. <laughs> I'm going to tease you. <laughs> Does that make sense though? I think it makes sense. I think it makes sense. Um, I'm, so gonna like, ref- I'm, 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 why? I'm calling on a shit. I'm reframing it. So what we've established here is a, you're not a trainer. So mm-hmm. you're not actually yourself a fitness professional, but you're very attached to our industry. So mm-hmm. you are in, a, in effect an outsider. From that outside viewpoint, do you see any trends or any problems from your vantage that we inside the industry may be blind to? That. And then she gets stuck. Look at she's big, she's like literally stuck on the webcam. Yeah. That's awesome. You Sorry, were, were frozen. you were stuck. Can you see me now? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it yeah. it brought it full circle. Yeah, you were frozen. Okay, um, I think I understand the question. So, uh, like, 
basically what what do I see in terms of like trans or blind spots yes. from an outsider slash mid like someone who's stuck in the middle perspective uh huh interesting um I don't want to give any spoilers from my presentation but uh Andrew knows this so I've ever since like day one of him telling me you're you're in you're gonna freaking talk okay. uh I actually put together a focus group initially of five but now of ten trainers oh, shit. and I've already done at least six interviews with trainers <laughs> And I also sur surround myself with trainers. And though, and like one of the trainers during the interview said something really interesting, which is like, um, you get a lot of young people trying to join this industry and trying to make a splash in this industry. But in reality, it's really hard to find someone that has lasted like 10 plus years, right? A lot of people fall off. And the biggest problem uh, is it's because they they don't take their client into consideration. They go into this business thinking, um, if you if you, my client, want to look like me, or if you, my client, want to be fit, then you need to do exactly what I do, right? They're not personalizing that experience. And that is something that I I kind of shake my head up and also like go like, why? <laughs> like you need to personalize your client or customer experience, whether that's like with training whether that's when you're building an online product or whether that's like if you're like just building any type of physical product, you need to make sure that it caters to your client's needs. And when you're working with people, everybody is different, whether it's uh, psychologically, like Lisa did a really good talk about uh, psychological motivations for people and uh, why they try to hit fitness goals and what motivates them to hit those fitness goals. You need to remember everyone's different. Everyone has different motivations and you need to cater to that. And if you don't, you're not going to last. And a lot of people don't. A lot of young people who enter this industry come in with this ego and they think that uh, their clients want to be like them or and they need to be exactly like them in order to hit those goals. And that's that's totally wrong. And Listen to your clients. Cater to your clients. Let's go back to Brett. We were talking about him earlier. Uh, Brett's a six foot four, hairy, sweaty dude, uh, and yet his clientele are women who want bigger butts. So yeah. I think Brett kind of gets it, and a lot of his stuff is is catered towards the ultimate user and what they want, not to look like him. So where do you think that misunderstanding comes from? Like, because it's coming from somewhere. Does that make sense? Like, like newer fitness professionals, like why do they have that? Because you said it's kind of prevalent. Like, where did that come from? Um, or does it? I don't know. Is that generational? I mean, so, so, uh, not to, I'm not going to drop names because like, I don't want my career to end when it just started. <laughs> uh, I think it's a combination of, uh, misinformation and ego. So, um, a lot of the people who do this, it's, it really is because they joined the fitness industry for the wrong reasons. Uh, they don't understand that just because you're fit, it like, it doesn't mean you were built to teach people, right? Like, just because I'm good at marketing or someone else is good at marketing doesn't mean that we were supposed to be teaching others how to do marketing. Um, they're just not built for that. And when they when they finally take that leap to join the fitness industry as, like, a coach or a trainer, it shows because th they're serving their own purpose and they're serving their own sense of narcissism. And it, it shows through their like client experience. And then the other the other reason it happens or the other root of this problem uh, would be misinformation. Uh, they don't do their homework and then they join the industry based on assumptions 
And most of the assumptions is, oh, uh, clients sign up for training programs because they just want to look good. And that's not always the case. Uh, like for me, I think two, yeah, about two years ago, I started my fitness journey and I was about 50 pounds heavier than I am today. And my motivation wasn't to look good. And I fired two trainers because they assumed immediately the reason why I wanted to train with them was to look good. My motivation was just to be healthier. I had asthma. I have thalassemia. And when you're when you're that heavy, it also <clears throat> fucks with your cognitive health, right? You can't think clearly. And the reason why I stuck with someone like Louie, who is actually doing my body recomp right now, <laughs> whom I met through an event, by the way, <laughs> uh, is because he understood that uh, my motivation wasn't just shallow. It was it was because I was chasing this idea of health. And and then he grew with me after I hit my 50 pound weight loss. I was like, fuck, you know what? Like, I feel better. I'm healthier. But now now my goal has shifted. Uh, I want to look good. Mm-hmm. And he he changed his training plan and his approach based on what I wanted. Whereas most people, like, they're so misinformed with uh, with fitness psychology or they just don't know anything about fitness psychology that they just make assumptions and then they fall flat on their faces well, and just, wonder why they have clients. You just summarized why we brought Dr. Lisa Lewis on the podcast. So, okay, so anyone who's listening to this, and we mentioned Lisa a few times, uh, she's one of the most recent podcasts we did. Go back and listen to it because you've got a like a licensed psychologist who is connected to the fitness industry, who is stepping into more and more to educate people. Yeah, we've got a lot of people running around in our industry talking about psychology that have no credentials in doing so. And I think even Lisa herself said, you know, the fact that it's being discussed is a major positive. But one of my concerns personally is that, you know, you have a lot of unqualified people running around saying a lot of stuff and you got to wonder what kind of impact that's having. So familiarize yourself with what, with what Lisa's doing and follow her content simply because she's going to help you on the psycho- psychology end of your work as, as a trainer. And then Carolyn, the reason why we brought you on in here is so that we people could, we'll, and we'll let them know where to find you, start following your social media, get your website so that way they're aware that there is a resource out there with both free information, which might graduate into someday a paid relationship where you may be able to help someone, but you're ultimately going to help people with organizing their businesses, they're getting shit done. And, you know, and sometimes on the marketing end of stuff. So, uh, and people can explore more of that. Hey, so, Caroline, I want you to highlight stuff for me. I want your expert you... highlighting skills. <laughs> I can just, I'm sorry. Oh, I, I, I keep going back. I just think it's hilarious. Like, they like right, all the shit that's wrong with They them. just have this big, like, I, I, this probably isn't how it is, but you're like, oh, send me some information. They, they like put this big thoughtful approach and they start, this is me typing. I'm typing for anyone. Anyways has this big backstory and then you just go and just crush their dreams. I'm <laughs> pretty did, much what I do. You didn't tell <laughs> like, me you were highlighting stuff wrong. and putting, you just told me to put my heart on the paper and you just ripped it out. Like I, if I would have known that, I wouldn't have signed up. <laughs> well, this whole highlighting thing and a lot of the critical feedback stuff, it actually sounds a lot like the way that uh, Ray Dalio built his company, um, Bridgewater, and it's highlighted in his book, um, Principles, which is, Pretty popular book a couple years ago. It, it's not bad. I think it's a really, really long and kind of heavy book, but it's got a lot of good content in it. So, I, A, I'm just curious if that actually has something to do with how you do things at exam, and, or what have you been reading that you actually think is really good that you tell everybody else to read? Um, okay, so the books I'll probably recommend uh, don't really translate over to 
fitness specifically, but it would it would benefit everyone, uh, both within p- their business and personal life. Uh, so first of all, uh, you're gonna fucking laugh at me because uh, I did mention it was socially awkward. Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. Ooh, that is a book I read once or twice a year, actually. Yeah, it really humbles me down because he emphasizes that you need to listen to people, before, especially before giving feedback. And that's why I do the whole highlighting thing. Uh, I don't want to give people unsolicited feedback based on what I see at a glance. I want to be able to listen to their story and know what their pain points are and know what they think, right? Um, and then uh, this one is my favorite. Uh, I actually bought multiple copies to give away. Ryan Holiday's Ego is the Enemy. Nice. Yes, I love Ryan Holiday. I was going to say, um, Ego's the Enemy is amazing. It speaks to what you're saying. The Obstacle is the Way is other book is yes. probably that same thing for me. And I think that's it's one of the best books I've ever read. But Ego is incredible. And with Carnegie's book, it was actually the first book of that type of genre I read many, many years ago, like way before. My dad actually said to read it. Uh, I was probably trying to tell me something. And it <laughs> is probably... If, if everybody was to really go read like one of the truly the best book on how to interact with other people, you're right. It's Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. Just reading it multiple times throughout <laughs> your life, just as a refresher. Uh, oh, and one more book because like three is my favorite number. So I always do everything in threes. Uh, so this is a relatively new one. Uh, Hamza Khan's The Burnout Gamble. Ooh, yeah. So like, so what what I usually tell people, especially people who are trying to build businesses or just like entrepreneurs trying to build a team is uh, unless you can get shit done without burning out your team, then like if you if you burn out your team, you're a shit manager. You're a shit manager. Because <laughs> like, cause, like I, I tell people I get shit done, but what makes me so unique and, and like I guess good at my job is because I'm worried about burnout. And I'm, I try to make sure people don't burn out. And that's a book that anyone should read, uh, even if it's just like for yourself to make sure that you keep yourself in check. It will motivate you to prioritize your time a little better and to be more comfortable with saying no to projects. I just looked it up on Audible. I don't think it's on there. So usually I listen He's to stuff audio Wow, well, you're going to have to read, man. You're going to have to. Well, he doesn't the, cha- do anymore. the challenge is, is actually time to sit down and physically read stuff. I try to reserve any reading time for um, training stuff, training materials. So, Andrew, should now? I should I like every night just like read a chapter for you? <laughs> <laughs> I'll just like record a chapter and I'll just like send it to you. <laughs> That's a great idea. That that actually would be amazing. Of course, the co- that would be cost prohibitive on your time, but um, I'm, I'm sure it'll come up on Audible if it's brand new. Though I actually tried. What am I reading now? Um, Brad Schoenfeld's. Uh, the, I can't even remember what the hell it's called, but it's uh, the hypertrophy. Basically, it's like a textbook. It's really incredible. Uh, I'm also reading Fat Loss Forever, which is uh, Lane Norton and Peter Baker's nutrition book. So I've got that on a – it's uh, it's on my tablet. So if I have a client who's running late or I have extra minutes where I'm not focusing on something else, I'll actually pull the tablet out and just start reading a page or two. And that way, I'm gradually chewing through it in time that otherwise we would waste scrolling on social media. So trying to be extra productive. So you're always on Instagram. <laughs> me? Not really. Oh, look. Or Facebook. Like, you're always on a messenger. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you think there's, I got a notification right now. So, there you go. Oh, okay. <laughs> 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 
I like it was like you're wrong as he's like as my best friend. Okay, so um let's let's just end this off and we always do this obviously, but where can our audience find more about you online and and kind of what's your social media stuff? Uh my social media handle is uh it's Carolyn Mac. <laughs> Literally it's Carolyn Mac uh for all the platforms. Uh, for my own website, uh, it's buildingonlineteams.com. Sounds really cheesy. <laughs> and for <laughs> for everyone else who just like want to learn more about examine, go to examine.com, especially if you're actually training people and trying to give nutrition advice. We are the nerds of fitness and we will not fail you guys. We will not fail you. And your team's not burning out. So they're, we are they're, not burning out. They're operating at high levels. Uh, because I'm here. <laughs> they're getting shit done. We know that. You haven't said anything bad about them, so we're good. That means you're doing all right. I think I'm. I think we're doing all right. I think I'm doing all right as well. Uh, you wouldn't come we'll, on here to we'll say you're doing bad. We'll see in a few weeks. Yeah, exactly. Um, we'll see in a few weeks. Yeah. Oh, I just got the title for episode two. Quote: We are the nerds of fitness, and we have to find a graphic that suits it. So that'll oh work. My God. <laughs> I'm so excited for this. Can you tag Saul? I want. I should just put his face on one because just to fuck with him. <laughs> I like picture it like. Remember, you ever watched Silicon Valley? Yes. Remember the one episode when they're fucking with, they're making fun of his gold chain, but they're like gonna take over the company or whatever, or steal the shit. They walk in like, like they're gangsters, but they look like nerds. Like that's what I picture. And he has the gold chain. You remember that one? Oh, she froze. <laughs> there she goes. We're back. Do you remember that one? No, I'm. I'm here. Okay, where they're like walking oh, yeah, into I the do. office and they were like, and then he made a really offside joke that I can't repeat on here. What the cool No, chain. don't. <laughs> That's oh, what I picture Silicon you guys Valley. as. You know who I am in Silicon Valley? Like everyone has like their alter ego. I'm Jared. Yeah, you'd be Jared and Saul would be the gold chain guy. For sure. It's <laughs> actually, no. yeah, that would actually be perfect. Oh, I should put him <laughs> oh, on there with, the, with the gold so chain and you're Jared making fun of him. Oh my God. You are canceled, sir. <laughs> cool i like it um well uh, as always we really appreciate everyone who tuned in to listen guys thank you so much i do hope you'll actually go and check out carolyn's work on her like follow her on her instagram or her facebook and maybe certainly check out her website if you're interested in learning more about that stuff um, i say this often but we don't bring our guests on because we need to fill a gap we bring them on because we actually want to show them to you and in this case we have like we kind of believe in her. We're putting her on our event in September. And if you're someone who's been listening to this, who is curious about uh, our event, you can find it splashed all over my social media or Dean's social media or Evolve's websites. And this is an event that we are really hoping not only to bring in great speaking presentations, but also create a really good social, uh, and again, networking, it's a bit of a cliche term, but an event where you're going to get to spend time in and around people who are hopefully like-minded, be inspired by these people, motivated to do more with your own work, and maybe even create some connections that could help you, because that certainly happened to both me and Dean in our travels. And it's cheap as hell. It's like 300 bucks Canadian. So for any Americans listening, that's like 100 bucks. <laughs> that's like so cheap. <laughs> I, I, I might be an Asian who can't math, but I'm pretty sure that math was wrong. <laughs> well, I think it, well, it's like 30%, so like, uh, like 210 bucks. That's like fucking free. <laughs> Like really, like whatever, like whatever the flights cost, but like Americans have such great flights too. Fuck. I wish I'm going to quote you from uh, moving forward. I'm going to be like, oh, that only costs $200. That's like fucking free. <laughs> it is. You have to agree. Like 200 bucks. 
like people are bitching about all like how much continuing ed costs. Like I've gone to seminars that are like fifteen hundred bucks for like Plus, three everybody days. needs continuing education credits. And one of the options is to log on and spend hours doing some some bullshit, bullshit course yeah. or half bullshit course for your certification. Or you can knock it out in one weekend. And again, only like I, half I spend 10 times as much as the registration for this event to travel, take a weekend and go to these things. And yeah, I cram in my big ass on a, on a flight. It's always a risk that I'm going to end up sitting next to someone who is as large as me. <laughs> which doesn't usually go very well. I actually have been really lucky for the most part, except when me and two buddies of mine, we flew to Mexico and one of the idiots decided, we had separate seats, and one of the idiots decided, hey, let's ask for them all together. Whoa. So I think he kind of pissed the girl off at the desk, so she stuffed us in the very last three seats in the back row of the plane, uh, which, of course, there's no recline. You can't lean your chairs back. Not that I do that anyway, but it was pretty smushed, and they're all big guys. So that was a terrible experience flying to Mexico. I would kill to see that. I'm sad that you don't have a picture. <sighs> you should have like visual cues. We should have. You probably drank a lot instead. The, well, actually, that wasn't even that bad in Mexico. It rained the entire time. It was stormy. We barely saw any sunlight. So it was all sorts of shit there. Cool. Anyway, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate you making <laughs> the time for us. And uh, we'll obviously be chatting. But uh, we're looking forward to seeing you in September. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. Shut up and sit down.